A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome back to Mads World. I'm your host Mads and I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. If you have, please remember to subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your favourite listening platform and follow me on Instagram, it's at madsworld.mp3. This week I'm joined by award-winning feminist writer, certified sexologist and psychotherapist in training, Gigi Engel. Having written for a range of titles including Cosmo, Marie Claire and Women's Health, her articles have been shared over 150 million times. Gigi is originally from Chicago and now lives in London. She has since written All the Fucking Mistakes, a sex handbook for the millennial feminist on how to own your body and sexuality and use that confidence to take charge of your life. Up next, we chat more about her career as a sexologist and writer, a couple of strange date experiences, alongside an important discussion about slut shaming. Hi, Gigi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. You have written for so many iconic titles like Cosmo, Women's Health, Teen Vogue, and the list goes on. So it's so great to have you here uh, on the podcast because your work aligns so closely with what gets all my listeners so excited. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Always happy to talk about sex positivity. Well, let's get stuck into our speed date question round so everyone can learn a little bit more about you. So you are a certified sexologist, sex coach, and sex educator. So what made you want to become a sex educator? Well, I started out writing um, about sexual health. I was a journalist. Um, and I kind of realized that I needed to be a little bit more, I need to have more credentials, essentially, to be writing about sexuality. So it's such a nuanced topic. I think being being a good sex writer is kind of like walking through a minefield. You have to be really careful, especially around like language and making sure you're being sex positive and inclusive. And mm-hmm. I felt like I needed a little bit more education. So I went into a certificate program and got certified in sex education. And now I am working with the uh, Contemporary Institute of Clinical Sexology. And I will be a certified sex therapist in the UK, hopefully in the next year and a half to two years amazing and um can you tell me more about the process of how how does one go about becoming a sex educator like is it is it a difficult process how long does it take yeah i mean there's lots of different avenues it's a bit of a um an under it's an unrestricted field uh learning about sex education so like Mm -hmm. 
I could, I didn't, they're like, you don't go back to like college to learn about sex, sex education. You can go to school and get a, a degree in sexuality or se uh, sexual wellness, sexual health, women's studies. But if you want to just get a certificate, there's like a lot of different um, cool programs that are really reputable. Mm -hmm. I did one through the World Association of Sex Coaches called Sex Coach U, which sounds like a fake program when I say it, but like <laughs> is actually, um, is actually very good, very comprehensive. And it, it can take up to two years, but most of it's done um, by self-learning and you have a, a, an advisor. So I was like crazy and decided <laughs> I was going to do the whole thing in six months. So I did a class every single week and completed the program in six months. Oh my God, good on you. That's that's unreal. And you've written a book as well called All the Fucking Mistakes. So I'm hoping that you can tell our listeners just a little bit more about that and, and what the book's about to sort of encourage everyone to go and pick it up. Um, yeah, so All the Fucking Mistakes is like your cool aunt who's kind of giving you the sex education that you never got from school or from your parents because the idea is that, you know, we have such terrible sex education in both England and the US and almost everywhere in the entire world. So it, it's sort of a sex ed beginner and it goes through everything from anatomy to like uh, sexual health, sexual wellness and STI production as well as the, um, the history of feminism. It's very, very sweary because it's, the, it's like an anti-slut shaming book. So it's filled with swears in order to subvert the narrative that women are supposed to be these like good good girls who like never swear and are polite and don't talk about sex. So it's, it's, it's definitely raunchy, but in a purposeful way, I think. Amazing. And um, I'll put a link to your book in the episode description. So if you are listening, you can easily pick up a copy. And I've got a couple of random questions for you in this round as well. So what is the best thing that's happened to you recently? Well, the best thing that's happened to me recently, um, I mean, I got accepted into this pretty prestigious and awesome program with the Contemporary Institute of Clinical Sexology about six months ago to officially be on the path to becoming a sex therapist, which is uh, a psychosexual therapist. So I wanted Amazing. to be a psychotherapist for a long time. And this was a really cool program that I was very excited to get into. So I'm, I'm very excited about the, the process of doing this. And so far, it's been very enriching. And That's so cool. And what does a sex therapist do? Do people like hire you? Do couples hire you? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, you can work either like in a bigger clinic, like there are clinics who provide sexual health and STI education. And then there are, you can also work in private practice. So I work with like, I will be working with a range of clients, both couples and single people surrounding um, different, different sex related issues, usually uh, sexual function problems that people mm -hmm. are having anything from erectile dysfunction, dyspareunia, vulvodynia, pain with sex, um, anxiety, depression, shame. Pretty much every, all your normal mental health issues and sex are inextricably linked. So it'll be a, a host of things. But the, the important thing is that it is based in sex positivity and sexual wellness. So clients who come to me don't have to be afraid to talk about sex or talk about their sex lives because that's, that's something that I'm comfortable talking about, with a, which a lot of psychotherapists are just not really comfortable talking about, which is yeah. weird because sex is such an important part of, of human life. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's something that, I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast can relate to. I mean, everyone can have sex in some capacity. Everyone can have a relationship and everyone can go on dates, you know, in, in whatever way they choose to. So it is interesting that you say that they're not comfortable with that. And it's so cool that you're hoping to help people like moving forward. Yes, definitely. I'm, I'm specifically interested in working with uh, queer clients, um, kinky <laughs> clients who are interested in BDSM and also on the sort of less sexy side, but equally important, um, sexual trauma survivors. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And um, my last question for this round is, in one sentence, how would you sum up the internet? Um, A black hole where cool strangers can meet if you try hard enough. (laughs) I love that. Everyone says such different things for this answer, and I really love that. Um, So in this podcast, we do have a section where we love to talk about fun dates, weird dates, bad dates, whatever you know, sort of dates, just because it, it brings everyone together and everyone can sort of get a kick out of it and, and definitely relate to it. So I wondered if you had a fun date story that you could share with us today. Yes. I mean, I have I have two stories, but I couldn't really decide which one to tell. So is it okay if I tell both? You can tell both. I love that. <laughs> okay. So one, one of them is like, normally I wouldn't tell a graphic story about my own sex life, but it actually is in my book. So I feel like, fuck it, it's out there. It's out there already. <laughs> when, I, when I was in high school, um, I was on this kind of I don't even know how to describe it. It was kind of, I was on this like travel trip uh, for troubled girls where like parents <laughs> sent their kids to like get them basically away from them. So then I couldn't, honestly couldn't pl- blame my parents. I was a pain in the ass. And I was, um, <laughs> yes. And I managed to make a lot of trouble during this trouble girls program. So I'm like, I'm in Spain and we were staying at this like kind of hostel mm-hmm. situation. And I met like a hot guy who like I wanted to have sex with. Mm-hmm. And so we were like pretty drunk and I don't remember anything about the sex itself, but I remember like I, I was trying to like, for some reason, throw the condom into the trash can from across the room. <laughs> like I, and like, I don't know what I thought I was, I think I thought I was being like very slick and which is an odd choice of words given what I'm about to say. Yeah. And I threw the condom and it landed against the window and like stuck to it. <laughs> Is this in a room full of other people or are you at least alone? Luckily, I don't. Honestly, I couldn't say for 100% certain, (laughs) but I I am pretty sure we were alone at that point. Oh, my God. I mean, that's just usually the thing in hostels, isn't it? Everyone just kind of gets frisky wherever they want. (laughs) Yes, it was really. I mean, and the next day, like. I mean, he, first of all, he like was really rude about it. So that's the thing that sticks with me. And I was yeah. like, embar- I was embarrassed. And now looking back, I'm like, that was hilarious. Yeah, that is so funny. <laughs> I can imagine it like slowly sliding down the window as well. And you're just looking at it in horror. <laughs> no, I was I was kind of looking at it like, oh, shit. And he was like, Ugh, that's so gross. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah. And then I was just like, okay. Um, oh, my God. Love and that. We ended up, I ended up leaving the next day for like a different, like a, another area of Spain, like so it didn't even matter. I never saw that guy again. And yeah. I don't remember his name or anything about him. So good times. Love that classic hostel shagging story. And I love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, that's one must. And then the other story I was going to tell is like, it's a dating story where I was, I was just sort of a, a real infamous asshole. Um, I was a real fuck girl. Like, <laughs> abs- like, like I define it in the, in my book as being just like, it's the female version of a fuck boy where it's like, you're just fuck with people constantly. Um, like this guy was like really, really into me and I was dating his friend and like, he was really in, and, like, we were, I wasn't officially like together with his friend, but I was definitely dating him. But this guy was like really into me and I wasn't into him, but he like offered to take me to this cool soccer game. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like soccer, but I wanted to go to like a free soccer game. Thought of it was course. Cool. Yeah. Always. So yes, yeah, so, I like, went and he like bought me all my drinks and I was like with him for the whole day and like bought me this like ticket. They were good tickets for sure. And then after the date, I had him drop me off at his friend's house. His friend, as in his friend that you liked better? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And what did he say? He just did it. I don't know. Like, I, from what my memory, he was just like, okay, bye. <laughs> okay, have fun. I can't even remember how I rationalized it. I think it said something <laughs> like, oh, I'm probably just going to crash on Joe's house since, like, 
were in the city and I, I don't, at the time I didn't live in the city in Chicago. So I was like, I'm just going to like crash on his couch. Like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what I thought. I definitely, he definitely went with it, but like the explanation was really half-assed. I feel like when you've had a few beers as well, you feel like you're explaining yourself really well and you're probably like, I'm, I'm getting away with this so well. I can't but. <laughs> even tell you, Mads, like how, lo- how low effort this explanation was. Like yeah. I didn't give a Oh God, I love that. That's so good. I um, I have a, a dating story to tell of something that happened to me last week, which was so, so funny. So I'm kind of seeing this guy at the moment and it is going pretty well, but um, we went on our first date and I was kind of like to him, oh, can you explain to me your job in layman's terms? And he was like, oh, Professor Lehman. And I was like, what, what's Professor Lehman? He's like, oh, he's just like this German professor that like invented the term layman's terms. So like he just wanted Fuck his like, off. he wanted his students to like, you know, um, uh, explain things to him in a really simple way, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like I didn't know it came from that. And then we went on a second date and he, we sat down. And he's like, Mads, I have to tell you something. And I was like, what? And he's like, I lied to you last week. I was like, about what? And I was thinking it was something that was like really bad. Or like, you know, he had a kid that he hasn't told me about or like something that like was a big deal. And he's like, you remember Professor Lehman? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I made him up. <laughs> there is no there is no Professor Lehman. And I was like, what? Why would you make that up? He's like, I wanted you to think I was smart. So I made up the whole thing. <laughs> That's so cute. I know. Really pathetic. I know. Oh my God, what a sweetheart. He's like, as soon as I got home, I Googled it and it just turns out that laymans are just like these really lazy people that don't really, like really dumb people that don't know, like you have to explain things to them really simply. And I was like, why would you tell me this? I would have just believed it and like never looked it up. Oh my god! Yeah, a lay person just means like an, an or like a person who works like a a, a job with their hands essentially. Oh, see, I didn't even look it up after he said it because I simply don't care enough to Google Professor Layman. So, just, I mean, whatever. It's like, why would you think he was lying to you? I know it's such a weird thing to lie. I about. think it would be honestly kind of weird if you like you were like, guess what? I went home and I googled. Professor Layman found out you were lying. And he'd be like, uh, he'd be like, first of all, yes, I was. So whoops. But also, you're a set go. You're weird. Yeah, <laughs> it would make me look worse. So. Oh, God, that was such a good one. But this guy is actually really nice. So he'll probably listen to this because he's been begging me. He's like, tell it on the podcast. I'm like, did you just do this to get a mention on the podcast? So probably. Probably. We know you're out there (laughs) thinking that. (laughs) You're welcome. Um. So um, I wanted to have a discussion with you today about slut shaming because I know you've written about this in your book and um, your book touches on these sorts of themes. So it'd be awesome to do a bit of a deep dive into slut shaming whilst I have you here. So in your own words, what is a slut? Um, I mean, a slut is a is traditionally a derogatory term for a woman mm-hmm. or person, but traditionally a woman who has sex with a lot of people um, basically has sex with whom she wants and when, when she wants, uh, mm-hmm. recently the term has been reclaimed though controversial. Cause some people still very much dislike it. I am not one of those people. I have really choose to reclaim it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, as a proud slut, I, I consider slut to be defined as a unapologetic woman who enjoys sex and isn't afraid to have sex with who she wants and doesn't really give a shit what anyone thinks about that. 
I love that. I love that it's like being reclaimed and and by women and by feminist as as something that is a bit more empowering than the traditional meaning. So in your own words then, what is slut shaming? Slut shaming is an attempt to use a woman's sexuality as a means of control. One of the most powerful things in the entire world is female sexuality and female pleasure. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mm-hmm. So if you can turn uh, female sexuality into something dangerous, into something to be ashamed of, into something that makes you less than, mm-hmm. then you have you have systematically oppressed and controlled an 50% of the population. So shaming someone for their sexuality is a tool of the patriarchy to control us. When you reclaim the word slut and you use it in a, in a, to mean an empowered woman who enjoys sex and you refuse to be shamed for your sexuality, you, you've taken back control and that is when the patriarchy will fall. It's so interesting that you said it comes from, you know, the patriarchy and wanting to take away any power that women have. Like, I think that's so true in, um, in the sense that women do like our sexuality is powerful and we have a lot of control in that space over men. So yeah, I think I find that so fascinating. Yes. I mean, like female sexuality and female pleasure, like once you once you really understand your body and you like I'm a huge masturbation activist and I consider masturbation to be a radical act of Mm self-love. I think once once you realize that you don't don't need a man or traditionally a man, but a partner to give you sexual satisfaction and you're capable of giving yourself orgasms like you're you're free. You're free from any shackles of like of society, essentially. It's really radical. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And how do you think slut shaming has changed throughout history? So obviously if we look back, you know, in the early 1900s and then in the 50s, even like the 80s to now, there's so many different slight nuanced differences. But what do you think has sort of affected these changes and how do you think it has changed? Well, uh, sex really became a tool of control uh, during the agricultural revolution when women became subjugated as property towards men mm-hmm. and marriage became dyadic monogamous marriage became the norm before that um sex wasn't controlled the way that that it is once it became women became property sex became a way to control women and women became the property of men um and this is still the way that it's viewed in society there's been a lot of uh, shifts towards more egalitarian sexuality, but not nearly as much as there should be. Um, Very repressive. Then around the Victorian era, the 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 vibrator was um, invented, Mm -hmm. uh, originally marketed as uh, cures for uh, headaches and muscle tension (laughs) and body massagers and like mm-hmm. to this day, the Hitachi magic wand wants to call itself like a neck massager when nobody has ever fucking used the Hitachi <laughs> as a neck massager in their lives. Um, and, the, you know, the invention of the vibrator was a huge turning point in um, mm. in female pleasure because women were like, wow, I can have orgasm. This is awesome. Yeah. And then, of course, in the 1960s, the invention of uh, the pill and contraception mm-hmm. uh, radicalized the way that women were able to control their bodies and control their means of reproduction, which was a huge step towards towards freedom. Then mm-hmm. we had, you know, Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion, um, hugely impactful uh, for women to be able to access a safe abortion, which is in the U.S. anyway, which is, um, you know, under massive threat at the moment and could fall at any second, really a scary time to be alive. Yeah. And then, you know, there's been a whole, a whole there's been first wave feminists, second wave feminists, third wave feminists, and now we're moving into fourth wave feminism, which is a moving into a more um, appreciation of sexuality as a fundamental human right mm-hmm. and as pleasure as a fundamental human right. Mm-hmm. And why do you think people engage in slut shaming behavior today? There's a lot. I mean, there's so many compl- complex reasons. Yeah. Um, I think men engage in slut shaming because it's a way to control people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have enough sex education. So sex is still widely considered to be taboo. It's still dirty. Um mm. Religion it plays a huge role in society to this day, and religion has fundamental issues with sex. It's like it's one of the most at the same religion in in all of its forms is the most perverted and the most sexually per- repressive facet of society. I think. Yeah, that's so true. Um, they're like I'm like so obsessed with sex and so against it at the same time. Very mm-hmm. strange. Um. So so men. Uh, and pe- so men who engage in slut shaming, it's a, it's a tool of control. It's to make them feel powerful. It's, it's a way of keeping women in line. Women use slut shaming because we have been systematically taught and uh, reinforced in the idea that we are in competition with each other mm-hmm. and we should be threatened by other women. Mm-hmm. And th- this narrative that we've been spoon fed, um, that like there aren't that we have to compete with other women so that the men like us, it's another tool of control, because as long as women are competing with each other, they're not working together. And do you think that that women on women sort of competitiveness that all comes down to the patriarchy and the narrative that we are being fed as a society? Absolutely. I mean, women being competitive with each other is not like it's not inherent to humanity. 
that's that's something that we're socialized to believe. Yeah, and um, speaking as women, do you identify as a woman? I do, yes. Yeah, so speaking as women, what do you think there's to be said for internalized guilt that people feel for their sexual experiences and identifying as a slut and feeling guilty and judging yourself the way that women judge other women? I think we internalize a lot of misogyny that's been fed to us. Like we're mm. told that it, that like, you know, body counts matter. The like that the more partners you have sex with, the looser your vagina will get. Absolute bullshit, by the way. That's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we are told that like our literal worth as human beings is tied to how many people we've had sex with. And when we have sex, we are degrading ourselves like as human beings. And these are messages that we are told. And those can't and like you can't go unscathed from that. Even mm. if you grew up in the most like progressive, like awesome household where your mom was like into being a nudist and was like a super feminist and your dad yeah. was like in touch with his emotions, you're still going to be exposed to societal messages, to pop culture, to the media. And like, mm-hmm. there's still going to be messages of shame. Like you don't go unscathed. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I can definitely relate to feeling that internalized guilt or shame in the past. And what do you think the best way to combat that is as an individual and then in like a larger sense how do you think we combat that as a society I mean I guess that's like the golden question isn't it yeah society like that's like we talk about that for like an hour yeah um on an individual basis I think one of the most powerful tools to liberating yourself from sort of the shackles of shame Mm. to use like power the powerful language here is it's it's masturbation Mm-hmm. Um, is really like reclaiming your sexuality through figuring out what you like, reclaiming your body and learning what it is that brings you pleasure and figuring out like what brings you to orgasm, getting in touch with yourself and not relying on other people to give that to you. I think that that's a really good first step to realize that like you, your body is beautiful and your sexuality is beautiful and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And if you were to experience like slut shaming behavior in real life or from like a family member or a mate or, you know, just someone, even someone that you really respect, like hearing them speak negatively about sexuality or women and sexuality, how would you approach that in a way that would resonate with people, do you think? That's a complex issue. I have a very sex positive family. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um I mean, I, I think if somebody were to, it depends, I guess it depends on context. Like if somebody mm. said something that was like sex negative and was saying it in good faith, mm. like maybe like, you know, made a comment like, well, you should wait to have sex till marriage. And it's mm. not like they're saying it in a hostile way, but like maybe just are misinformed. Mm-hmm. I think there, there's nothing wrong with trying to engage in a dialogue with somebody. Um, if somebody's just being like openly hostile to you, it's, I don't, necessarily think that it's beneficial to engage in that conversation mm-hmm. with them because they're not really in a place mentally to like have a a fruitful discussion with you you're just going to end up like yelling at each other yeah and it's just and like you're going to be coming at it from from two different places of very hot emotion and I don't know that that would yield positive results yeah and I think at the same time like it's so hard to know whose responsibility it is I mean it's the same with having discussions about race or having discussions about like queerness it it shouldn't be on on the person to educate that person you know I mean in an ideal world everyone will go out there and educate themselves and try and have an open mind but yeah that that line on responsibility of who whose job it is to educate is really it's a gray area that's true I mean I think if you want if you feel in that moment that you are in a place and you would like to 
educate the person who is saying something ignorant, then that's your prerogative. But mm. it's, it is, like you said, not your responsibility to like make people pro-trans uh, equality and pro-abortion, um, like pro-abortion rights, rights and pro-sex positivity. Like that's not your responsibility. Like you're not there to educate the entire world. Like you can really only do your best and take care of yourself and educate yourself. You can encourage people and you can choose the people who you surround yourself with. Yeah. Like if you have a, a family full of like dickhead bigots who like, <laughs> who like say fucked up things, they, you do not have to like engage with those people. You get to choose who you spend your time with and who you choose to engage with. Absolutely. And um, this sort of leads us into my next question. How do you think that slut shaming links to victim blaming in regards to things like sexual assault? If they're in, sort of inextricably linked. Um, yeah. Victim blaming is a form of slut shaming. Like mm-hmm. she asked for it. Her shirt was, her skirt, should, you shouldn't have been wearing that. Your skirt was too short. Mm. Maybe you shouldn't have gotten so drunk. It's this societal, we, we put the, the blame in the wrong camp. It's not a woman's fault for getting raped. It's a rapist for raping. Yeah. And I really like long for the day where instead of like focusing on, women who women and queer people and these these assaults are they're perpetrated by men so it's Mm -hmm. um like instead of focusing on women who survive sexual assault if we could focus on men who commit violence towards women Mm -hmm. and focus on that instead of like what like it's not about women do not need to do things to not get assaulted men Mm -hmm. need to not fucking assault people yeah, a hundred percent. And you mentioned there's something interesting about it's it's slut shaming sort of being a form of victim blaming. Do you think that there's a spectrum like you can sort of um like subtle things that people say and subtle comments that sort of are driving this, you know, in an overarching societal way? And then at the other end of the spectrum, I mean, obviously it's assault, but then victim blaming and that sort of thing goes down goes down that end of the spectrum as well. Yes. I mean, the, when you are, if, when you, if you come forward um, and accuse someone of sexual assault or you report sexual assault, your entire sexual history will be put under a microscope. Mm. And every person who you've had sex with, every sex that you've sent, every, every sexual encounter you've had will be up for um, scrutiny mm-hmm. because that is like we, if somebody has a rich sexual past, they are, they are widely considered less deserving of of your pity yeah. and empathy. And that's mm-hmm. disgusting. It is. Yeah. Um, my final question is, I guess, in addition to masturbation, as you mentioned earlier, and sort of empowering your sexuality in that way, what would be your other best tips on, you know, owning your sexuality, not feeling that internalized shame for your history and empowering yourself in this sort of space? I definitely think, well, masturbation, of course, and buying sex toys is so empowering. It's, and it's really fun. Like, there's so many great websites like Love Honey and um, all the great online stores where you can buy such fun sex toys. But also, like, educating yourself about sex, like going on, taking courses that, like, yeah. Beducated has great ones. Bedsider has great ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Climax is an awesome website where, like, th- like there's they take you through tutorial guides on, like, different kinds of masturbation techniques and different kinds of sex. And like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's so many ways to educate yourself, but I think really starting to like surround yourself also with like a sex positive community and choosing to engage 
with dialogues that are actually productive and are in line with your values is a really positive way to sort of step out of the shame bubble and start to be reinforced by community and by education. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'll definitely link all of those in the show notes and um, those websites you mentioned too. But yeah, this has been so, so eye-opening and you're just, yeah, you're such an expert in this space. It's been absolutely amazing chatting to you about this. Yeah, absolutely. I love any chance that I can get to spread these messages. Um, One more question in regards to like safe spaces online and communities and like um, pages that you like following that have those, you know, eye opening discussions and um, surrounding yourself with sex positivity. Did you have any, obviously, apart from your Instagram and um, going on your website and everything, which is, is pretty much a given. Did you have any other recommendations there on where people can start? Yeah, I mean, Instagram is a, even though they're like super repressive with like their censorship, but there's, I mean, we're, we're, we're surviving out there. I think everyone deserves sex. Sex Ed is an amazing account. Um, L Chase is, is an incredible educator, as is Wednesday Martin mm-hmm. um, and Zachary Zane, who is a bi- who is like the king of kings of bisexual advocates, and um, they're really sex positive people and like share amazing content that's super educational. Amazing. Oh well, thank you so much, Gigi. This has been super enlightening, and um, yeah, I'm sure everyone is going to love our chat. Yes, I can't wait to hear this when it's out. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Gigi. Please let me know on my Instagram, it's at madsworld.mp3, or my website, madsworld.co, if you have any stories or thoughts of your own to share. Love and elbow taps. Peace. Extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.